Hello, my name is Ian Williamson, and I am the Dean of the Paul Mirage School of Business at the University of California, Irvine. And welcome to another episode of the Dean's Thought Leaders series. It is my great pleasure to have with us today, Josh Childress, who is the CEO of Landspear. Landspear is a LA-based real estate investment organization focusing on revitalizing communities of color. Josh also has uh, this great experience of playing professional basketball for 15 years in the NBA, in Greece, in Australia, and Japan, and has also spent 10 years as a venture capitalist. Josh is also the founder of the Josh Childress Foundation. It's a great pleasure to have Josh with us today, and he's going to share some of his insights around investment and also community revitalization. So Josh, thank you very much. It's really a pleasure to have you joining on the series. And I think I'll just jump right in. And I think one of the questions that many of the people would like to know a little bit more about is Landspear. And so perhaps can you give me a little more insight about Landspear and also why you, why you were motivated to found, found the organization? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I appreciate you, uh, Dean Williamson, for allowing me to, to come on the, the Dean's Thought Leader Series. Uh, this is a great platform and uh, you know, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. And relative to, to Landspear Group, you know, we really saw an opportunity to invest in, in under-resourced communities. Uh, I partnered with my former college teammate and roommate, Justin Davis, in our endeavor. And on the heels of the opportunities on legislation, we found that there was gonna be a, a, a massive amount of capital flowing into some of these under-resourced areas, but by and large, the community stakeholders would not see the benefit of that, um, either through gentrification or through, um, you know, just lack of social and upper mobility uh, via the, the uh, you know, the channels that were going to come in and, you know, invest capital. And so for us, it was important to try and become the conduit for that capital um, so that, you know, we had the community's, you know, benefit and kind of, uh, I'd say, uh, interest, uh, uh, you know, in mind. And so, you know, with that, we, we founded Alliance Power Group um, really with the, the intent to get into these communities and impact change to real estate development and investment. And what types of real estate are you interested in or are you focused on? So we focus on uh, multifamily uh, investment. We have uh, about four or five projects in our pipeline right now, uh, mostly development opportunities, uh, and we'll continue to expand that, you know, over the years as we, you know, build our platform, get access to more capital, um, you know, and, uh, you know, become, I'd say, uh, more well-known within the space. But, um, you know, right now we have a uh, project in Compton, California, which is where I'm originally from, 75 units there. Uh, we just invested in a 91-unit project here in Bellflower, California, uh, and have a couple others in, in, in uh, Nevada and uh, you know one here in Newport Beach. So we're we're we've been active. Uh, we want to continue to remain active and and build out a uh, a more robust pipeline that um, you know is investing in communities of color, uh, impacting change, creating opportunities, you know, providing programming for some of these areas via you know financial literacy, childcare. Um, you know, job training, things of that sort. So, you know, creating value outside of just, um, you know, developing units and, and collecting rent. Got it. That sounds great. So, um, you know, I think maybe that's a great segue into this bigger question that I've, I've talked to a lot of people about over the last several, you know, several months in that, you know, what we're seeing more and more is society is making a call for businesses and business leaders to really be proactive in dealing with some of the major challenges we're seeing, social issues. So injustice, discrimination, uh, access, participation. And I, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you, you know, what do you see as the role or responsibility of business or business leaders in these particular domains? 
I think the biggest role of businesses and business leaders in this domain is to, uh, you know, to put your money where your mouth is and be mm. proactive. Um, you know, when you think back to last summer and what happened, you know, in Minnesota, George Floyd, um, you saw a lot of businesses and corporations come out and say, you know, we're going to make sure that we do X, Y, Z and donate and invest in black and brown communities and do all these things, you know, and, and a lot of them were publicity stunts. Mm. You know, how can you actually you know, get in these communities, uh, invest, provide capital, uh, provide resources, but also provide opportunity. Um, when you look at most of the C-suites, you know, across the country, uh, you don't see people of color, you know, in, you know, true, I'd say, decision-making uh, positions. Uh, you know, you see you have tiers, right? And, you know, the, the people of color may be on, you know, the, the, the second to last or last tier relative to, um, you know, being able to actually make impactful decisions and or have capital in hand mm. to do those things. And so I think that, um, you know, creating more opportunities for that and, and actually being proactive and, you know, doing what you say you're going to do uh, is truly what, you know, more businesses and, and business leaders uh, need to be mindful of. I mean, I think this is one of the great things about Landspear, right? You, you've, you've gone beyond thinking about how we're gonna do something good, but really thinking about the business model at the core is about the foundational component of enhancing well-being. And, you know, that not having that separation between the business and the social outcome, I think, is really it's a fantastic innovation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and we've been very mindful of that, uh, you know, wanted to make sure that, you know, we can create sustainable change. Yeah. You know, can I can I get into a community, uh, you know, bring a beautiful, nice new development, but also help, you know, the community stakeholders, um, let's say, uplift themselves, empower themselves, um, you know, to to move beyond that, right? It's, it's great to come home to a nice, new, wonderful uh, unit, uh, but, but also how can I sustain that and, and build from that um, so that you know, I can you know, create a better opportunity for the next generation. So you know, the, the cyclical uh, issues with poverty that we face in this country are you know, very real and very relevant. How can we make that shift? And you know, we're a small group, you know, but you know, we're trying to do our part to impact that change uh, at the very minimum at the grassroots level where in areas that we grew up in. So a as you've been developing Landspear, of course, you haven't been immune to what's been going on around the world. And certainly the last 18 to 24 months has been nothing but disruption after disruption after disruption. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious to get your sense of, you know, how, how is your sector more broadly and maybe even your organization been impacted by this? What have been some of the things you've learned in trying to adapt and cope? What, what has been the experience for you? Yeah, you, <laughs> you mentioned that. And uh, I think back to last March, uh, you know, eight days before the pandemic started, we launched our first fund. Oh, wow. So you can imagine, you know, three people who, you know, our first time fund managers uh, for a project in, in Las Vegas, uh, you know, going out and trying to raise capital. And then eight days later, you know, this happens, right? And so that in itself was a, a incredible challenge for us, uh, you know, and, and we were resilient and we were able to, to get through that um, and, and fully raise our fund, which was uh, phenomenal for our company. But relative to just the disruption that's happened in commercial real estate, um, you know, it's happened in a bunch of different ways. I think, um, you know, demographic shifts as it relates to, to, to COVID and uh, people moving out of densely populated areas, that's accelerated. Um, you know, you've seen markets like, uh, you know, Nevada and, and uh, uh, 
Texas and Florida, uh, you know, really just catch on fire. Um, and that was accelerated by you know, people moving out of LA and San Francisco and New York and some of these other densely populated areas, you know, into more, more affordable places, um, you know, that didn't necessarily have maybe the same restrictions that some of these other, even Orange County experienced that, and, you know, a wave of people moving from, from LA. Um, so that's one component. I think in addition to that, um, uh, from a, a technology perspective, obviously, you know, everybody's become more connected, right? You know, and that can either be a negative or a positive relative to how you operate your business, you know, but, you know, Zoom fatigue is, you know, <laughs> has yeah, hit us all. It's right? real. <laughs> it's real. Um, you know, but with that, I think the technology related to commercial real estate investing has, has gotten better. Um, you know, AI has, uh, you know, accelerated in its uh, application in the commercial real estate space relative to, you know, how people are, um, you know, capturing data, sourcing data, uh, planning for, you know, future demographic shifts and, and uh, you know, things that are happening in markets. So, you know, that's happened. Uh, and, you know, the, the, you know, we aren't necessarily in the single family space, but, you know, the price of housing has gone up exponentially. And um, that's forcing more people to become renters, which, you know, helps us in our business. Uh, but, you know, this, the, the, the last 18, 24 months has been incredibly disruptive. Um, you know, some good, some bad, uh, but you, know, you, you, you make of it what you can, you pivot as you see fit and, uh, you know, try and make the best decisions possible. Yeah. Well, I, th I think this is the experience we've all, certainly as an education institution, we've had to rethink a lot of foundational things about what does it actually mean to do what we do. So maybe that's a, that's a great segue to another maybe more personal question, right? You've talked about how your organization has had to pivot and, and transition, but you yourself, I think, are just a perfect example of a person that's made many different transitions over the course of your life. Um, not all of them are the common ones we typically see. And so I'd really be curious about how you manage those transitions. What was the processes in your mind about how you were navigating that or and did, were they planned? Were they sort of opportunistic? What, what, is, what has been your story around that? Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> Great question. Um, you know, I've always tried to be thoughtful in uh, how I operate in life. Um, you know, growing up from humble beginnings in, in Compton, uh, you know, athletics was a way that I was able to get out of that situation, right? And I have a great family system and support system, so I don't want to detract from that. Uh, but, um, you know, just to be frank, I wouldn't have been able to afford to go to Stanford, you know, without sports, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, I was able to, to, to go to Stanford, spend, you know, spend three years there and then uh, transition into the NBA. And, um, you know, that transition was another massive one, um, you know, coming from Southern California to Northern California to Atlanta, uh, you know, and first first day off the plane, I'm seeing things that I've never seen before. I'm seeing Confederate flags drive by. I'm seeing, you know, segregation that I hadn't seen in, in California. Uh, and, you know, so you, you learn about your surroundings, you understand, you know, kind of how to navigate it as best you can. Uh, you know, and then from there, I ended up going over to Greece. And I did that at a time where uh, people didn't really understand why an NBA player, kind of in his prime, would, would do that. Um, and that, that transition was, um, you know, about me trying to, you know, find more out about myself. Can I, can I do this? Can I, I leave my comfort zone, go to a country that um, is not predominantly English speaking, um, you know, and excel? And I, I think with that, I, I, I created a, 
little bit of a uh, comfort around American basketball players leaving, you know, the U.S. to go play in other I countries. I certainly think you were a trailblazer. Uh, thank you. And, um, you know, that experience uh, taught me a lot, taught me a lot about myself. Um, you know, I, I got to experience a different culture, uh, which is, I think, a big part of what life is about. Yeah. Right? You know, going out and exploring and learning new things, exposing yourself to different people, because that shapes you as a person. Um, you know, and from there, I, I bounced around to a few other different countries. Um, and then my latest transition kind of into this business space uh, has been phenomenal. Um, I've uh, met some of the, the, the greatest people and uh, I met you, you know, and, and um, you know, had our bas my basketball career and now this business, you know, career not happened, we would have never crossed paths. And so, you know, taking advantage of opportunities, you know, throughout this transition is, has been a big, you know, uh, big thing that I've tried to, to do, but, but also just making the most of opportunities and, um, you know, retiring from professional sports and pivoting into another space and doing it, um, you know, I think, you know, fairly well to this point, uh, you know, is a testament to just my support system and, and work ethic. Got it. I think it's, uh, as you said, it's important in corporations to kind of walk the talk, but I think at an individual level as a leader, it's also inspirational to see you walk the talk, right, in terms of how you've just been open to change in your own personal life. It really is quite inspiring. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you get, a lot of people get caught in the, the rat race of, of life, um, you know, and I just like to shake it up sometimes a yeah. little bit. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So one question I'd like to ask you is your thoughts around leadership and, and maybe more specifically, um, what you think the leaders of business tomorrow going forward? You know, so if I'm thinking about on Monday, we just brought in a new incoming class of freshmen. If you were talking with them around how to prepare themselves for being leaders in the future, what are the types of things that you would think they should be thinking about and how would you recommend they prepare themselves? Mm. That's another great question. I'd say uh, first and foremost, um, uh, intellectual humility, I think is important. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of smart people here, you know, at, at UC Irvine, uh, but you know, how can you apply that in a way that, you know, people can relate to you and, you know, want to follow your lead. And so, you know, being who you are, you know, and, and intellectually curious, but also intellectually humble, I think, uh, you know, helps others gravitate towards you as a leader and, you know, helps galvanize the troops, if you will, um, you know, to, 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 you know, follow suit. And so um, that's one that I would definitely suggest. In addition to that, um, you know, obviously diversity is you know, a big component of, you know, the social landscape of, you know, business into this country uh, in general and embracing that is, is crucial. Um, you know, I think gone are the days where, you know, the, the old, the good old boys club thing, um, you know, is acceptable and, you know, you have to be open to, to change and, and, you know, embracing diversity within your, your corporate culture, um, you know, in, in your everyday life, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's important for all of us to understand that, you know, we don't know everything and don't have all the answers, but, um, you know, there are other individuals, you know, across cultures, across genders, across, across you know, orientations that uh, are just as, as intelligent and valuable to corporations as we are, um, you know, and how can we bring everybody together to, to you know, make the most impact. Um, and, you know, obviously, I think one other is just, 
thinking through the, the, the ESG component of, of everything and, and, you know, you know, how to best navigate that, um, you know, and I'm not an expert in that by any means, but it's something that, you know, I'm now learning about. Um, it's something that I never thought about. And so being mindful of that, um, you know, as you go out and build your business and, you know, try to create impact in whatever capacity is going to be super important. I think that's great advice. Sounds like I have some work to do in terms of training them. <laughs> Josh, thank you very much for taking the time. Congratulations on all the success that you've had with your, your ventures. Uh, congratulations on all the successful transitions you've had in your life. And certainly we look forward to seeing what that next transition looks like. I appreciate it, Dean Williams. My pleasure. All right. Thank you very much for again joining us for the Dean's Thought Leader Series.